What is going on, Laker fans? Thank you very much for tuning in. Appreciate it. We'll go till uh, 9 o'clock tonight. We got a stack show tonight, Curtis. Stack show. I, I don't even think two hours is going to be enough here, but we'll do our best. Uh, Dave McMenamin coming up at 7.30. Mike Bresnahan from Spectrum Sportsnet coming up at 8.30. Um, yeah, I, I want to actually go off uh, real quick on just kind of continue that conversation uh, Sedano and Cap were just having. So, uh, listen, this is just kind of the stance I've had the last couple of weeks, um, and I get it. I, you know, I understand that when a team goes on a losing streak and, you know, one of the top five players in the NBA, the best two-way player in the league, uh, is dealing with an injury that's a calf strain, Achilles, whatever you want to call it, I get that there's going to be a lot of concern. But the thing that has kind of kept me even keel in this whole thing has simply been it's just too early, as in there's plenty of time before we get to the um, before we get to the playoffs, I think it's like 80 days before we get to the postseason. Um, so that was that's kind of been the my personal theme these last couple of weeks. And oh, by the way, Dennis Schroeder was out uh, on top of Anthony Davis. I don't think the Lakers really had much of a shot when they went on that four-game losing streak. So uh, this is obviously the first Lakers talk show I've done since Lakers had lost four games in a row. And now you see these last couple of games, Dennis Schroeder comes back. So I, I, I want to just kind of spend a little bit of time on this. Um, and you could feel free to chime in, 877-710-ESPN. How do you feel about where the Lakers are? Because the next time I get to do one of these shows, we'll be at the All-Star break. And we'll be halfway through the season. We'll be 37 games in. Uh, Lakers sitting at 24-11 and 11 right now. How do you feel about where the Lakers are at this point of the season? Um, for me, I think they're in a great spot. I genuinely believe that. Um, I really, really think, just kind of taking everything into consideration, take take some of these into consideration real quick. You lost five of six games. You lost four in a row. This was just within the last couple of weeks. Um, Anthony Davis has been out of 12 of the 35 games played so far. That's 32% of your games you've played without Anthony Davis. 32% of your games have been without Anthony Davis so far. We know he's going to obviously miss at least the next two. We'll see what happens after the All-Star break. I would expect him to miss at least another week after that. Um, keep all that into consideration. It was the shortest offseason in NBA history because uh, you came off a championship. It was in the Orlando bubble. NBA was trying to get things up and running again. They decided December 22nd. They didn't take into consideration teams like the Lakers in Miami, but it is what it is. This is a business. It's a corporation. At the end of the day, they're obviously trying to maximize their profits. Keep all of that in mind. Now, do me a favor. Go to ESPN.com and go look at the NBA standings. Go go to ESPN.com and don't even type in the Western Conference. Put in the league so you see every team in the Eastern Conference thrown into the mix. You see every team in the Western Conference. Do you know where the Lakers sit right now? They have the second best record in the NBA even after that four-game losing streak, even after five or six losses, even after Anthony Davis misses 32% of the season, even after Dennis Schroeder misses four straight games because of health and safety protocols, and even after that short offseason. Um, when I say I think the Lakers are in a great spot, I genuinely believe it. You know, I wouldn't be surprised or shocked right now if Lakers were further back in the standings. They have some excuses to be further back in the standings, but they're 24-11. and 11. 
and to have the second best record in the NBA to to be ahead of the Clippers and to be ahead of Brooklyn and to be ahead of Philadelphia. I'm mixing in everybody, right? Throw everybody in the mix. Um and give credit to the Utah Jazz, what they've accomplished this season. Uh, it's been amazing. It really has. But the Clippers are not in second place. Neither are the Nets. Neither are the Bucks or the Suns or some of these other teams that are having good seasons or you just assume we're going to have good, season, uh, good seasons. The Lakers. Lakers, second best record in the NBA. By the way, um, I'm also the one kind of barking around saying that I don't think these games are all that important right now. And what I'm referring to is I don't think the standings will be a make or break uh, for the Lakers. I don't. I, I think that even if they have to go on the road in the first round, um, not not in the first, hopefully, of course, not the first round, but even if they, they have to go on the road, let's say in the second round, um, and that's not to say that the road isn't going to be difficult. That's not, that's not to say that I don't want the Lakers to win these regular season games, um, but it's really tough to win games when you're missing Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder. When they got Dennis Schroeder back, on Friday against Portland. I haven't tweeted out before the game. I said, I think Lakers are winning this game. And I I did feel like everything was going to change. You're never going to replace Anthony Davis. But missing Dennis Schroeder on top of that, I just don't think the Lakers had a shot in some of those games. So that's why I've been less worried about the position that the Lakers in. I actually think they're in a fantastic position, a fantastic spot. It's not, and you know, when I say this, by no means am I trying to say that this is a perfect team because it's not. Um, you know, by no means am I trying to say, uh, of course, health is going to be everything, but health is everything for every team out there, right? If the Clippers, if Kawhi misses significant amount of games or there's some question marks about him or Paul George or something along those lines, yeah, Clippers' chances are are they're going to go out the uh, they're going to go out the window. And you could say that about Brooklyn. You could say that about Philly if they lost Embiid or Ben Simmons or um, you know the the Utah Jazz if Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, one of those key players, um, can't go for a stretch for you know one of those two teams. So health will of course be the main thing for every team out there. The good thing if you're a Laker fan right now, we're sitting in March. It's March first right now. Playoffs don't start till I think the third week of May which means you have over two and a half months to get right and to get healthy. And when I say the team's not perfect, you know, I've talked about this. I I still think the Lakers need a rim protector, Uh, having an additional 3 and D guy, a veteran, somebody that's been there, has done it before, has had those uh, playoff runs where they've got a, a ton of experience. All that would be fantastic. All of that. So it's not a perfect team, and it, and I, and I actually think you know I'm one, I'm one that thinks that the competition this year is much tougher than it was a, a year ago. I mean, the Lakers, if they ended up in a second or third seed, just as an example, and Utah ended up with a number one seed, it means you got to go through potentially, right, a team like Portland or Dallas or Golden State in the first round. Heck, maybe even Denver with the way Denver's been playing, and then in the second round you'd have to face the Clippers. You got to beat those two teams just to get to the Western Conference Finals, where probably Utah would be waiting. And if Utah's waiting there, they have home court. And then on the other side of it, what if Brooklyn's healthy with Kevin Durant and James Harden, and and they make some moves? It's going to be a challenge this year. And I don't think the team is you know perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But it, it's tough for me to get concerned about this Lakers team this early in the season when you just know there's two incredibly important pieces that weren't in that mix for that that four-game losing streak. Um, I think Lakers are in a, a great spot to go back-to-back. 
We'll see what happens. We'll see how things eventually play out. But, I mean, if you'd have told me before the season started that the Lakers had the second-best record in the NBA at this point of the season, you know, getting close to the halfway mark, which I'm not going to underestimate how important these uh, next two games are coming up for the Lakers just to kind of close out, um, you know, close out the first half of the schedule. But with all that in mind, I'd have been incredibly content incredibly content with the Lakers um, because I also didn't think that you know they would be playing for home court they would be uh, the big picture would be in mind the entire time Um, you know you'd kind of have it in your mind that mindset would be okay we just got to be healthy and whole for the playoffs and everything else in between is not all that big of a deal Um, okay let let me set a couple things up here phone number is 877-710-ESPN what do you think of the Lakers spot right now just overall, we're, we're two games away from the All-Star break. What do you like? What are some things that you're concerned about? Uh, however you want to um, look at this Lakers team, uh, we'll do that coming up here, 877-710-ESPN. And the other thing that I want to make mention of, um, Phoenix and Sacramento. So these are the next two games for the Lakers before we get to the break. Phoenix tomorrow, the Kings coming up on uh, Wednesday. So you got back-to-back games there. Um Man, the Lakers can get some incredible momentum going into the break if they can close out these two games with Ws. Uh, I thought the Portland win was fantastic. You held Portland to 93 points. I thought beating Golden State yesterday, what were you up by, 35 at one point, something along those lines. Uh, They contained Damian Lillard in the second half. They contained Stephen Curry um, for the entire game. And now you got in my opinion, a dogfight tomorrow against the Phoenix Suns because you know Phoenix, this game means everything to them. This is the biggest game that they're going to play, at least in the first half of the schedule so far this year, and they're only a game and a half uh, back in the standings of the Lakers. Chris Paul, you can, um, you know, you could obviously depend on Chris Paul to, to have that Phoenix Suns team ready. Devin Booker looks ridiculous. So that's a dogfight tomorrow. And I thought Michael Thompson said something interesting in the pregame show yesterday talking about the Sacramento Kings. That's the last game before the break. Uh, basically said, look, you know, that's that's usually one of the toughest games. It's the game before the All-Star break. Um, you know, you're, you're mentally, you're in a position where you're sitting there saying to yourself, uh, yeah, I'm going to work, but I might already be on vacation. And it's a Sacramento Kings team that's struggling. I think they lost 10 of 11 games, so you feel like you could just kind of walk in there and they'll fold. So that that actually might be the trap game for the Lakers. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up next. Plus, I want to talk a little bit about Dennis Schroeder. We'll take some of your phone calls as well. Thank you for tuning in. This is Lakers Talk on uh, 710 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 710 ESPN. 
more Lakers talk right now. We got a, a quick look at Damian Jones. Ended up playing eight minutes for the Lakers. Eight points. Lakers up by 29. There's Damian Jones with an alley-oop. Tell you, man. He can get up. Couple block shots. Three of three from the field. That's, <laughs> that's not bad. Lakers talk continues here on 710 ESPN. Here's Alan Sliwa. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, yeah, how about Damian Jones last night? How about him taking advantage of his opportunity? A little bit later in the show, we'll get into uh, Damian Jones and that roster spot for the Lakers and if he gets another opportunity at, a, at another 10-day contract. Um, okay, I, I want to just uh, continue this uh, this chat, this conversation about how the Lakers are doing up to this point. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I think they're in a great spot, and I, I think looking at things big picture, um, I, I don't know what more we can really ask for. I, I, I would say that before the injury to Anthony Davis, um, before Dennis Schroeder was out, one of the things I was complaining about was the Lakers were disinterested, right? They're coming into a lot of these games where you, know, you don't feel like they have, uh, they're fully there, they're fully focused. Well, part of that also had to do with they felt like they can just kind of get through the regular season. I'm not saying that's the right strategy or anything like that, but that's the only, that was one of the only things that I was complaining about early on in the season. And then when Anthony Davis goes down uh, in the Denver game, and uh, you know after that, just you know, obviously now he's going to miss games through the All Star break, and we'll see how much further after that. One of the things that kind of went through my mind was, um, okay, well now things will actually get interesting. Now the Lakers are in a position where uh, they'll face kind of adversity for the first time this season. Then Dennis Schroeder, right before tip off. Uh, is told that he can't play in the Brooklyn game, and it was contract tracing. He was going to have to sit out one week, seven days. There was four games in there. Lakers go 0 for 4. Um, I will say that Dennis Schroeder coming back into the mix and just kind of seeing his impact these last couple of games, um, that's a critical piece. That is such a critical piece for the Lakers. Uh, Dennis Schroeder... And I don't want to make it sound like, all right, Dennis Schroeder is Anthony Davis. I know that that impact is completely different. But for this Lakers team, this Lakers roster, if you're already missing Anthony Davis, I've made this case a couple times that I think Dennis Schroeder is the third most important player on this roster. Um, and that's not to devalue or take anything away from Mantra's Harrell, but I feel they just don't have anything close to what Dennis Schroeder brings to the table. They don't. I think that's why Rondo was so impactful to the Lakers last year. Uh, another guard that can get to the basket, create for themselves, get to the free throw line, put pressure on defenses. By the way, um, very underrated from a defensive perspective of how he plays on the defensive side of the ball as well. So I, I look at Dennis Schroeder, and I think it, it shouldn't just be because of these last two games we start seeing his value. Um, I think just the mere fact that he has all these qualities that he brings to the table. You know, one of the things I saw these last two, a couple of games, which it's been a long time since um, we've probably got a chance to watch or listening here on the broadcast, when LeBron goes to the bench, doesn't it feel like Dennis uh, LeBron can actually get a breather when Dennis Schroeder's in the game, that you still got a quarterback that's on the floor? You still got somebody that can orchestrate the offense. You still got somebody that when things are on clicking, okay, give it to him and he can make something out of nothing. And even when AD is a part of the Lakers, that doesn't always happen. 
Because AD is not going to dribble the ball 23 feet away from the basket, call for a screen and roll. Um, you know, AD's got a skill set. His skill set is not, um, I'm going to bring the ball up the floor and orchestrate the offense. That's not, uh, th- there's no purpose of Anthony Davis doing it. But for Dennis Schroeder, it's incredibly important. It's incredibly, incredibly important that, you know, obviously that uh, that that calls for the Lakers and that calls in each one of these games. Okay, let me uh, grab a couple quick phone calls here. Um, 877-710-ESPN if, uh, if you want to be a part of this conversation. Let's start with uh, Stephen in Orange County. What's going on, Stephen? Thank you for calling in. Hey, thank you for taking my call today. You got it, man. Hey, uh, just really quick, I just want to touch on the Lakers. Um, I, you know, uh, I, I just got on the car and I heard you mention uh, that they're still currently uh, second best record in the NBA. You know, they're really fortunate. Um, you know, about the last, uh, you know, 20, 20 to 25 games, they really haven't producing uh, as many W's as they used to. Um, you know, they're not playing as great as they, as they were in the beginning of the season, but injuries are hitting them right now. Um, they're slowly starting to find their way out of this funk, it seemed like, with that W uh, last night against the Warriors. But my main concern is going to be defense overall. Even when AD does come back, uh, when Schroeder's 100%, uh, defense is my main concern with this squad. Uh, that's going to be the number one uh, way to, to repeat as champions. Well, I, I will say this. By the way, just look at these last two games. What did, what did you think these last two games? Because... I think they gave up 93 to Portland, and yesterday I want to say they gave up 91, something along those lines. Did you think these last two games, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, they actually started playing some defense. They're keeping teams under 100. You know, um, you know when, when we were playing those, those back-to-backs to Houston you know, uh, last week and, and such, you know, they were lighting us up. You know, they were, they were scoring, and they were, make, they were embarrassing us. Um, and I, I just believe it's all, it all comes down to defense. Uh, that squad's going to produce uh, about 100 and I'd say 10 points per night. Uh, LeBron's going to do his thing. Um, the, our, our bench is incredible. Uh, our depth is good. It's just defense, man. Uh, if they can keep teams under 100, we'll win every night. Appreciate you calling in. Thank you, man. Which, by the way, let me say this. Uh, you know, keeping teams under 100 in today's NBA, yeah, that's not common. That's not common at all. Um I I and I, I want to make sure that I I um I want to make sure that I'm accurate on this before I say it. But um, Lakers have pretty much had the best defensive rating in the NBA this season, and that's with some of their struggles that they've had, and that's with Anthony Davis missing, like I mentioned, 32 percent of the games. Um, I do think they're fortunate in a sense, right? Fortunate that with some of the obstacles that have been presented to the Lakers that they're still second-best record in the NBA. I, I wouldn't expect them to have the second-best record. Um, I got a chance, I think it was yesterday before the game. I can't remember if it was yesterday. It was before the Portland game. Um, uh, Coach Vogel takes, you know, does this these Zoom calls right before the game, and one of my questions to him was how much does – when you guys are actually playing defense and it's – you have a stint like they did in the second half against Portland or pretty much all 48 minutes against Golden State. When you play that type of defense, how much does that get your offense going? He says everything. One works. When one is um, when one is excelling, it helps the other. So if the Lakers are playing fantastic defense, all of a sudden those jumpers might be falling. Or all of a sudden that confidence might be there to go to the basket and say, you know what, I don't care who's in the middle. I'm going to go get two free throws, whether I hit the shot or I don't. Um, and vice versa. So Yes, the cliche, the defense wins championship. We don't have to look past October. Lakers played lockdown defense in that uh, in that bubble. That's how they won a chip. Scooter in L.A., what's going on, Scooter? 
Hey, Alan, how you doing? Good, man. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, when AD went down, I think they had nine games left before the All-Star break, and I said, well, they go 6-3, that'd be good. But then shooting went out, and I said, oh, my God. So I said, well, if we go 4-5 or even 3-6, uh, we would have to take that. But then we won his last two, and if the shooter would have been playing – I really do. We've been uh, we they, won they, two of those games that they lost. I was just going to say, and uh, you know, Scooter, and I, I tried kind of emphasizing this, and I appreciate you calling in. Um, we're we're going to get to Dave McMenamin here in a second. Um, I, I I tried mentioning this a couple different times, and this ain't breaking news or anything like that. Schroeder plays in those four games. You're taking at least two of them, and that's what Scooter is mentioning right there. You're taking two of them. You are. You're 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 meet, you're beating Miami, who you lost to by two. Uh, and you're beating the Wizards, who you lost to in overtime by three. Listen, Lakers should have beat the Wizards. What they have, 16, 17-point lead, something along those lines. Um, they should have beat the Wizards. If Dennis Schroeder is just playing in those games, you'll have a much closer game against Brooklyn. Fine, give Brooklyn that game. They hit 22 threes. Uh, they were fantastic in that game. Give Brooklyn that game. Give Utah that game in Utah as well. They were excellent as well. But those those two games are a lot more interesting if just Dennis Schroeder's in the game and not Anthony Davis. Um, and, and I do think that that would have kind of played into the mix there. But it is what it is. So I, I went on NBA.com and I'm looking at defensive rating. So for those who, you know, this part is interesting. Because there are a lot of games where you think the Lakers aren't playing good enough defense or they got to do better on that side of the floor, whatever the case is. Number one defensive rating team in the NBA is the Lakers. So believe it or not, that's where the Lakers sit right now. Number one defensive rating in the NBA uh, is the Lakers. So Lakers, 105.1 is their defensive rating. How about the Knicks? New York at number two, Utah at three, Phoenix at four, and then the Golden State Warriors at five. That's right. Warriors were coming in. They were top four. Lakers were first, and uh, Golden State was uh, was fourth. So just kind of gives you an idea on that front. Um, all right, Dave McMenamin covers uh, the Lakers for ESPN. Uh, he's coming up next. We'll get a chance to uh, get his thoughts on how the Lakers are doing and uh, these last two games before the All-Star break. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. All right, Lake fans, appreciate you guys tuning in. Go till uh, 9 p.m. as I mentioned. Um, Lakers-Phoenix tomorrow. By the way, you know, I actually really think we got a, we got a dogfight on our hands tomorrow. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, this is going to be one of those games where – it means an incredible amount for the Phoenix Suns. And for the Lakers, you just got to be ready. And obviously with Dennis Schroeder back, looking forward to that matchup. I want to welcome in uh, Dave McMenamin, covers the uh, NBA and the Lakers for ESPN. What's going on, Dave? Thanks for doing this, bud. You got it, Alan. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. You know, I'll actually kind of just start with uh, tomorrow's game. Um, 
I got this feeling that this is uh, this is going to be incredibly important to the Phoenix Suns. Not that it's not important to the Lakers, but Phoenix just a game and a half in the standings uh, with the with the Lakers. Of course, they're playing good basketball. Devin Booker and Chris Paul have been great. DeAndre Ayton has been great. What what do you think of tomorrow? What what should we be expecting from uh, from Phoenix? And and how tough of a matchup is this? They're a really good team. You know, when you talk about tiers of potential champions this year. You're going to start with the Lakers being the defending title holders and the Clippers and the Sixers and the Nets, and you might include Utah in that top tier. But the, the next tier, you know, you have uh, Milwaukee, Denver. You know, maybe you talk yourself into Boston, and I think Phoenix is right there too. Phoenix is a team, if they were to acquire another piece between now and March 25th, you could look at them completely differently in terms of they're not just a tough out in the playoffs. They are a team with the potential to, to make a deep, deep run. And so this is a, a good test for the Lakers because the Lakers, let's be honest, they looked better against the Warriors than we've seen them play in a month. And that includes games when they had Anthony Davis. And so if they can take some carryover, what they found defensively, against Portland, what they found offensively against Golden State, put those two things together, uh, you know, they should be able to keep some momentum going uh, into this break. Dave, just your your overall thoughts of the position that the Lakers are in. I, I spent some time starting the show, and, you know, it, it is kind of interesting with AD missing as many games as he has. Of course, Schroeder missed those four games. Lakers, the, the short offseason in between the championship and coming back, you surprised Lakers got the second best record in the NBA under the circumstances, or is this exactly where you expected they would be? No, that's about where I think they would be because they certainly had the disadvantage of the super short offseason. They had the advantage of the continuity, the confidence, and the talent. You, know, you have two of the top five players, or let's let's even expand it to the top seven players in the league in LeBron and Anthony Davis. And so that should put your ceiling pretty high to begin with uh, and and your your basement pretty high to begin with, I should say. Like, if everything goes wrong, this is still a pretty good Lakers team. And they've had a couple things go wrong, you know, nothing traumatic, but obviously to miss Anthony Davis for a chunk of time, to have the contact tracing, you know, finally be the, the COVID uh, bite of them in the butt a little bit. You know, they mostly avoided it up until the end. And, um, you know, listen, this is who they should be, especially if LeBron's going to go all out for 72 games in regular season. Like, it seems to be his plan. Like, this this is this is what they should be doing. Uh, Dave McMenamin taking some time to uh, join Lakers Talk, covers the NBA and covers, uh, obviously, the Lakers for ESPN. Um, do, do you think any, any different on Dennis Schroeder and his impact on this team after not having him in the lineup to having him these last couple of games? Uh, or is this, this is Dennis Schroeder and, you know, the more he's with the Lakers and, and gaining that continuity with uh, his teammates, this is the type of impact that he's going to have. Yeah, I, I think he's been probably the, the third best Laker this year. It's probably... You could argue that Trez has been the third best, but uh, Trez doesn't have the offensive responsibilities. I mean, he scores, but he doesn't organize the offense the way that Schroeder does. And so uh, he's been huge for them. And he, much the same way Avery Bradley was kind of relied upon for last year's team prior to the bubble to set the defensive tone, 
that's the the role that Schroeder has occupied for this group. And it's been just really straight production. You know, he was dynamite right out of the gate. He had a little bit of a lull. Uh, but to see him come back and you know, him talk about how his wife said that he looked as happy as she's seen her and, and she's seen him in a long time, finally having the, the seven-day quarantine end and to go right out there, score 22 points, get nine free throws against the Blazers and continue uh, to bring it on both ends of the floor against Golden State. I mean, he's a really important piece. Now, the big question with him is, has he done enough so far to convince Laker management that it's not risk, not worth risking it and going into the offseason with him as a free agent and potentially losing him for nothing? And I, I don't know. I go back and forth with it. I understand the economics of what the Lakers could face. I understand the worst-case scenario if Trudeau was to leave for another team. But I also understand that you know his market value will largely be determined by how he performs in the playoffs. Hmm. And a guy who covered the Lakers for a while on and off, you know, I, I remember a guy named Ramon Sessions, hmm. who the Lakers acquired in a trade, who was a little bit of an undersized guard, uh, who really had a poor playoff showing us alongside Kobe Bryant when the lights were, you know, upright. And, um, you know, Lakers were, were fortunate not to extend it before they saw that playoff run by Ron Sessions. Now, I guess Schroeder's better player than Sessions. I'm not trying to insult him here. I'm just saying that it, sometimes it's nice to see what they do in the postseason before you commit to them long, long term. Is uh, do you think that that's how it will play out, or or do you think that the Lakers try to get something done? It, you know, it's interesting. I, Brian Windhorst and I think Bobby Marks was a part of the article earlier today, and it just talked about the Lakers and potential lug, luxury tax implications next season. Um, and, and you you know you start looking at uh, contracts uh, this past summer um, where you could kind of get some good comps and say, okay, well, this player signed for four years, 72 million, or Fred Van Fleet went for four years, 85 million. Um, you think the Lakers wait or, or, or you think this, this potentially gets done? I, I, I think it's too early to tell because as we know, the pressure's on Rob Palinka and the Lakers front office to improve this team between now and March 25th when the trade deadline occurs. And so, how they go about that could affect how their their books look and how their books look could affect their urgency to find a deal with Schroeder right now versus, you know, kind of gambling and, and seeing how he does in the postseason and, and recognizing that if he does have a really strong postseason, you might be paying him at, at a premium. But at the same time, that's kind of what you want to do, right? If he helps them win a championship, then okay, open up the purse strings because that's mm. that means he's the right guy for the job. Uh, Dave McMenamin, who covers the uh, covers the NBA and covers ESPN, uh, covers the Lakers for ESPN, joining Lakers talk. You know, Dave, it, it, it's interesting because this is kind of an interesting thirty days or so in the NBA, where um, you know, obviously the trade deadline, the buyout market. Uh, Lakers have two roster spots. Um, you know, uh, of course, they got a ten-day contract now with uh, with Damian Jones. But just keeping all that in mind, what what do you think if the Lakers are active and they go out and try to get somebody? What type of player do you think should be the biggest priority? Um, and it doesn't have to be a name. Just in general, what kind of position do you think is of need of the Lakers? 
Well, the Lakers looked so good against Golden State in part because of their defense, but a large part because they shot it well from three. Uh, that's they're a different team when they shoot it well from three. Uh, LeBron James is a far more effective player when he's able to use his ability to pick apart a defense and throw cross-court skip passes, and the guy who catches it for a wide-open shot actually makes it. And so to me, I I, I think finding a a shooter should be at the very top of their list because they have guys who can shoot, but the designated shooter role doesn't seem to be so – secure at the moment now uh, KCP was lights out for a month to start the year and he's has his bona fides he did it in the postseason last year so so maybe you feel pretty comfortable with him but beyond him you know uh, Alex Russo's percentage has gone down LeBron's percentage has gone down AD's percentage has gone down uh, Wesley Matthews hasn't found his footing yet with this team so uh, a shooter I would say w- would be a very high priority and then you know, quite frankly, Damian Jones was excellent in his debut, mm-hmm. but he came up with a strain back, and he's questionable for tomorrow's game against Phoenix. We don't even know if we'll, we'll see him out there, and I don't know if he'll be the option, but find another big man. Uh, it just makes sense because Marcus Saul has had his moments. He hasn't been a complete bust. I know statistically – his numbers are very underwhelming, but at the same time, the team has performed quite well in terms of plus minus, in terms of defensive efficiency with them on the court. So it's not like he doesn't deserve a spot in the rotation, but I would like to, to find something if you can uh, to shore up the center position as well, because the formula last year for the Lakers was two really good um, backup centers who could both start. Um, playing alongside AD, who's going to play 60% of his minutes in a postseason at center anyway. Dave, what's your thoughts on um, the rest of the Western Conference, just the way things are shaping out? Uh, I know getting our first opportunity to see the Lakers and the Jazz, that was really tough to assess that one. we got two more games coming up in April that I think will certainly help. Hopefully both teams are healthy. But what's just your overall thoughts on the Western Conference and uh, uh, some of the competition that rounds up the, you could say, top 10 teams in the West or so? Yeah, I mean, the Jazz, I think, have lost maybe two out of three since they, they look completely dominant against the Lakers. The Lakers team missing two starters. The Jazz are a good team. Like, they're not going to disappear. Uh, I think they'll be a top three uh, seed in, in the West and be a top out in the playoffs. You know, the Clippers are the team, I, I still think, are the main competition for the Lakers in the West. Uh, they have had their own share of injuries and guys in and out of the lineup, and they've lost some big, bigger games as of late. They lost two against the Nets. They lost one against the Bucks. But they're a team, when things are clicking, uh, can get it done on both ends. And so that's a team I think you look for. And I think Denver's a great matchup for the Lakers. Not too worried about them in terms of the Lakers' chances. Uh, Dallas, not too worried about them in terms of the Lakers' chances. I think Phoenix will be an interesting one. You know, mm-hmm. Phoenix has veteran leadership. It has uh, dynamic scores. Uh, it has shooters. It has a big man who, you know, can play above the rim in DeAndre Ayton. And, you know, there's a challenge to the Lakers defense right now. So that that's one that I think would cause me a little bit more pause and, and could be a, a, a tough series. But you know, beyond that, I, I don't think you're really looking at any other team in the Western Conference and saying, like, 
they have any shot of beating a healthy Lakers team in a playoff series. Yeah, listen, I, I'm with you, and I, I look at, you know, you try to kind of gauge the first half of the season, uh, but I hesitate because, you know, the Lakers' goals in February or March or whatever the cases are going to be different than some of the other teams out there. I think Utah definitely is going to play, try to play for the number one seed. Um, and, and, yeah, the Clippers, you know, aren't you supposed to go through these tough trials and tribulations, and if last year wasn't, and if they don't have as much motivation as any other team out there, I'm curious to see how they'll be come playoff time, but it, it seems like there's there's tiers in the Western Conference, and, and certainly at least uh, to start the season, Lakers, Clippers, and Utah are really the only tiers um, in that in that first tier. Uh, Dave, I, I appreciate the time. Uh, I thank you for, uh, you know, obviously giving us your thoughts, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll do it again soon, all right? Okay, good deal. Bye, right. Alan. Thanks, Dave. All right, that's Dave McMenamin right there. Um, you know, he, he said something about Dennis Schroeder that I I, I want to get into because the Lakers do technically have a decision to make, right? Do they try to give a contract to Dennis Schroeder now, or do they wait till the offseason, see how he does in the playoffs and everything else? Um, I, I think that's an interesting conversation for the Lakers. I think that's an interesting wrinkle for the Lakers. And I thought Dave mentioning, well, you know, you're also trying to improve this year's roster and you're you're worried about trying to win this championship rather than, you know, looking big picture for next year and everything else. Let's talk about that when we come back. Um, I got some some comps here, some contracts. Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Fred Van Fleet, DeJounte Murray, all these guys that uh, Brian Windhorst and Bobby Marks put in their article today talking about the Lakers and, and what luxury tax implications can be for next year. Um, we'll bring that up coming up next. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, quick shout-out. Thank you to Valvoline Instant Oil Change being a partner here on Lakers Talk. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home of the 15-minute drive-through oil change. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for locations and coupons today. Uh, Thank you to our newest sponsor there, one of the uh, new sponsors to the show. Um, Okay, so Dave McMenamin, we spent some time talking about uh, Dennis Schroeder for a quick second. I'll throw this out there if you guys want to give your thoughts or opinion on it. Um, should the Lakers try to lock up Dennis Schroeder now? Now's the time to uh, try to lock him up or wait till the offseason. Um, you're in the middle of obviously uh, trying to finish off uh, this season, try to go back to back, 877-710-ESPN. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think what's going to be interesting too is what what's that dollar figure going to be like for Dennis Schroeder? What is it going to be like? I read this article today. It was a great article in uh, on ESPN.com. Small website, Curtis. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Startup, startup company. Uh, it was on ESPN. And the article, Brian Windhorst and Bobby Marks, is just kind of paying attention to, it's really talking about the luxury tax that the Lakers might have to face for next season. 
So they obviously gave AD a big contract. LeBron they signed uh, to an extension. Uh, Kuzma's new contract will kick in. Um, and if you're going to go out, you know, as an example and bring back Talon Horn Tucker and Alex Caruso and Montrez Harrell, you know, that's just a um, that's a player option. So we'll see what Montrez Harrell does after this season. And then you got to, you know, kind of come into come into play. What is Dennis Schroeder going to be in the open market? So if you don't know what Dennis Schroeder is making right now, he's making about fifteen and a half million. And this is the final year of his contract. Uh, he signed a four-year, sixty-one. I want to say sixty-one, sixty-two million dollar deal. So pretty much getting fifteen and a half million every year over the last four years, and this is the final year. So he's only twenty-seven years old. So he's walking into his prime. By the time next season starts, he's going to be twenty-eight years old. And they usually say that your prime is twenty-eight to thirty-two. Uh, LeBron disagrees. LeBron thinks his prime's uh, thirty-six. Uh, but keeping that in mind, so the article lays out some of the contracts that are out there right now um, that signed in the offseason. Bogdan Bogdanovich, if you remember, was with Sacramento, ended up signing with the Atlanta Hawks, got four years, $72 million. Fred Van Fleet, a big piece for the Toronto Raptors, a champion, got four years, $85 million. DeJounte Murray, a nice player as well, four years, sixty-four. So it just kind of gives you an idea. I don't know how much the Lakers will spend or what the value of Dennis Schroeder is monetarily, right? What is he, what is he, uh, it's good that my uh, Siri just uh, tried talking to me right in the middle of a, of a conversation here. Um, but I, I'm, I'm spending time, you know, obviously trying to figure out, um, okay, well, what that, what would that dollar amount be? Well, if he's making 15 and a half million now, he's walking into his prime, he's having a good season and you got to also base this off of his numbers are going to come down because Anthony Davis, he's playing with AD and LeBron James. I mean, of course he's going to make more than his current contract. So that means, where are you, 18 to $20 million a year? I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I, I think he's the most important player after Anthony Davis and LeBron James. In my opinion, he's the most important player on this Lakers roster after Anthony Davis and after LeBron James. He's probably going to be making $20 million a year or right around that. And, you know, whether that has to be determined now or that comes in the offseason, I'm sure Rob Palenka is uh, figuring out what's in the best interest of obviously the organization and uh, and Dennis is doing the same thing for himself. But I, 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 I take a second to think about Schroeder He's a key piece. He's critical to the Lakers' success. I mean, his skill set and what he brings to the table for the Lakers is so important. And I think we've obviously seen it these last couple of days. Uh, we'll see how things, you know, eventually play out on that front. Um, but you got to just imagine that he's going to eventually get some pretty good money. Takes a huge burden off the Lakers. Takes a huge burden off LeBron James when he's in the games. He's going to make some good money this offseason. But I, I almost don't want to pay attention. You know, I'm go back to this article again. I almost don't want to pay attention to next season. You're in the thick of things right now. You got a legitimate shot to win two NBA championships uh, with LeBron James. A legitimate shot to grab two chips in Anthony Davis's first two years with the Lakers. It's tough for me to think about next season. You know, you, you want the team, you almost want the, the team to just go all in 
uh, every year that they got LeBron James because you just don't know how many years or how many opportunities that you're going to get with him to win a chip. So uh, I, I don't, I guess, pay any attention to next season yet. I don't think of the luxury tax or any of that stuff yet. Um, not that that's something that we got to think about. That's obviously the organization and deciding how much they want to pay into the luxury tax if they're going to go sign all these players. Uh, but I, I'd be fine if the Lakers didn't negotiate a deal until the offseason with Dennis Schroeder. I would. It, it, I don't think that's you know make it or break it for the Lakers right now to worry about that. What you're really paying attention to is the trade deadline coming up, the buyout market of improving your roster, um, uh, yesterday was a good example. We got the first chance to see Damian Jones yesterday. And he comes in for the Lakers. I think he had eight points and uh, three rebounds, a couple block shots, went three of three from the field. He did something in that in that in uh, in his first game with the Lakers where now you kind of start questioning, hey, maybe he's the guy that's going to fill in that slot of a rim protector. Maybe now all we got to worry about is a 3 and D guy, or as Dave McMenamin was saying, another shooter for the Lakers. Um, I would love that attention to be, and it's not like you can't focus on both, but doesn't it feel like at this point of the season where the Lakers are sitting, being in the thick of everything right now, trying to improve this year's roster if there are some opportunities to do it, and being one of the small handful of teams that have a legitimate shot at winning an NBA championship, it's tough to think. It's tough to think about next year. It really is. It's tough to you know pay attention um, that far down the road. And I think it's just because you're so close to potentially doing it again. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people obviously agree with that. It is kind of funny how the how everything changed in the last, let's say. Um, last 72 hours, last three days. Uh, coming into that game on Friday against Portland, the sky was falling, and then all of a sudden Lakers win two games in a row, and everybody's saying, yeah, no, Lakers, that's the, that's the favorites to win it all. And I know this happens in sports, right? You just kind of come off of uh, the heat of the moment. But, man, when you're missing two key guys like the Lakers were, I don't know how they would have a shot in any of those games. I mean, personally um, – you know, the fact they were even in it against Miami, I thought was impressive. They should have beat Washington because they had a 16, 17 point lead. Um, okay, this is what I do this is what I want to do when we come back. So we got our top NBA stories uh coming up. I'm gonna take more phone calls at 815. So if you want to be a part of the show, um 815, I'll take some more calls. Uh 877-710 ESPN is the phone number. Uh, stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. <laughs> 